Summer will end soon enough, and childhood as well. George R. R. Martin. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, faithful fathers, and welcome. I am Brett, joined as always by Perry. Perry, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. I had a little bit of a frustrating day yesterday, but I'm um, feeling good today. It's a new day. It's a new day. You know, it's one of those days yesterday where I had some projects and I just couldn't really gain traction on anything that I was trying to do. You know how that goes sometimes. I do. I want, I want to hear about that. But my first question is, you know, we're in the mid 30s now in terms of number of episodes, right? We're getting up there. It's almost been a year that we've been doing the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Like, do you think listeners know who we are? Do we have, do we have to keep formally <laughs> introducing ourselves or should we just start talking? Well, I mean, I think uh, my mom and, uh, you know, maybe your mom and, and they probably know who we are they so when, we they, are. when they listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good to keep introducing probably because hopefully we're going to keep growing this thing. So yeah, let's keep saying, hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. Yeah. And welcome if this is your first time finding us. Uh, it, it is fun to sort of log in and look at the analytics and realize that we have people literally listening from all over the world currently. So, I mean, not all over the world, but quite a few countries represented in terms of people chiming in. So that that's pretty cool. And I guess more formally, I'm Brett Etheridge, <laughs> located in, in East Tennessee, Perry's in Western North Carolina. Tell us a little bit about your frustrating day yesterday, but then find something good. Like we always like to start by sharing a fatherhood win. So tell me a little bit about your frustrations and then any wins from the week. So the two are, are kind of tied together. So the win is I bought my family a rolling house and, <laughs> you know, some people would call it a camper, but Nancy and I grew up or not grew up, but we kind of cut our teeth backpacking. So when you're towing around a 44 foot enclosed device that has a garage for dirt bikes, two toilets, a shower, couches, refrigerators, AC, you know, heat, all the things, gas powered stove. I just can't really call it a camper. I don't, no. you know, I mean, it, that's what everybody calls them where, Hey, we're going camping. I know. But I never understood that when I when I first moved to this area, everybody's like, Oh, I'm going camping for the weekend. And in my mind, it's like a tent. Yeah. Yes. That's what you do. Yeah. You just have a, back, a backpack and a tent and they're like, no, and they load up their RV, which is like, yeah. you might as well be staying at, at the Ritz Carlton half the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. That's what it feels like. So that's a win because for me, it is having a quote unquote camper is a way to travel with my family at, for longer periods of time in a way that works for our budget. You know, if we were going to if we were going to go on a long extended adventure and we were going to have to rent a a house cuz our family doesn't fit into a hotel room, you know, four kids, me and Nancy. That'd be pretty cross uh pretty cost prohibitive to be on any kind of extended journey. So, really I don't think of it as a camper or camping. It's just a travel machine, you know, that we can that we can go adventure in and have a and have a home base out of to where we can do the things we like to do hiking, riding dirt bikes, you know, et cetera. So that's the win is that um, we're blessed financially and we we were able to purchase a used unit. And it's also the source of my frustration because uh, you know, a used camper that people in the camping industry say it's a rolling earthquake. 
Every time you drive this thing down the highway, it's a house that's that's dealing with an earthquake, mm-hmm. you know? So things break, things are, I mean, it's really cost of ownership with anything. You, you're responsible to maintain it, to upkeep it. And we bought one that's, you know, a little, a little beat up, a little rugged, you know, needs a little bit of improvements. We're pretty handy, so we can fix those things. But it was one of those days where I would start, you know, I'd pick one thing to deal with. For instance, the landing gear, uh, the stabilizer jacks, one of them is broken, needs replacing. And I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, how to do it, et cetera, et cetera. I started to dive into it. Well, this particular landing jack is behind two closed panels. And one of them is the generator compartment and the other one is the propane tank compartment. And I'm going to have to, you know, cut through this thin sheet metal on one of those two sides But from my calculations, I can't really figure out which one to start cutting. So, you know, it's like, man, am I going to cut this one and then have it turn out to be the other one? Or am I going to, you know, vice versa, whatever. So then I just kind of kept on moving to a simpler, less complex project when I would hit a brick wall on the one I picked to work on. And then that simpler project, brick wall. I didn't have the right tool or I didn't have the right bit or the right part or, you know, and it's like, boom, 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 just on down the line fail, 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 fail. So it was one of those days. So at the end of the day, you basically replaced one light bulb and called it a day. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's right. (laughs) It's like, Hey honey, I fixed the, uh, the brake light. We're good. You know, we're we're good to go. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go on our trip. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, that it's a little bit of a a preview of what we're going to be talking about. I realized I didn't really introduce the show, but I do want to talk a little bit about summer plans and yeah. maybe talk sort of big picture about our approach to the summer because it's hard to believe at the time of this recording, it's kind of early May, but summer's going to be here before we know it. I know my kids only have a couple more weeks of school and it's like, what do we do with our kids all summer to enjoy them, to to ensure that we maximize the memories in you know, really just a few short summers that we have with our kids before they're grown and sort of out on their own. It seems sometimes like summer will never end and the years just kind of roll by. But the next thing you know, you know, our kids are 18 and moving off to to whatever they want to do. And so we want to be good stewards of this time. So we'll talk about all of that. Uh, a quick fatherhood win from my perspective. I <laughs> It's kind of a long, funny story, but I, I'm coaching the baseball team for both of my older boys, Jackson and Ben. All right. And they're of an age now where they can both be on the same kid pitch team, which which is fun. And yet I actually a few weeks ago kicked Jackson off the team already before the season even started. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you know, he was giving me some attitude. He was wanting to do things his own way. Do I have to wear the uniform? What if I want to do this? Do I have to wear yeah. cleats? Why can't I? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not I'm not putting up with that like all summer long. I, I want to enjoy this. I want to be the coach. So I basically kicked him off the team. And uh, <laughs> How did he respond? Was he like shocked? No, not really. Like, yeah, I mean, right. I think he kind of understood it. But here's the win is that he, on his own, came back, circled back about a week and a half later and was like, Dad, what can I do to get back on the team? Hey, that's awesome. Yeah, so we talked through it. It was just a, it was just a conversation about attitude and respect. And look, I'm your father, but I'm also your coach. Like, sure, you have, to, you have to just do things the right way. Like, there's a uniform in baseball. You know, you can't, you can't be – I mean, I, I like that you want to be your own individual. I like that you have your own ideas about how you want to live your life. And yet when you're part of the team and there are uniforms that you have to wear and you wear a baseball hat when you play baseball and all these types of things, it's like – so we just had a conversation around that. 
and he has since adopted a, a better attitude. And we had our first game this last week, and and it went well. And he played fine, and and Ben played great. He got what he 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 scored our only run, and uh, cool. so it was fun. And and it was fun just sort of having them both out there on the field, coaching them. And uh, and Jackson in particular had had a good attitude, and uh, so so that was man, that was that's fun. great. Yeah, I love to hear that. Yeah. Um, and before we dive into summer plans, I actually wanted to hash out something with you real quick and just sort of get your perspective on how you make big decisions, how you make big decisions as a family. Because the other thing that we're wrestling with, as you know, Perry, because you and I have talked about it a little bit offline, but let's talk about it a little bit online. Yeah. My wife and I are actually toying with, not even just toying with, seriously considering homeschooling next year and going a different route with our schooling and it scares us and it, it's exciting sure. and it's scary and it's like it's it's a big decision right so I don't want it to, I don't want to have the homeschooling conversation but I know you and your wife homeschool but but the conversation I want to have is how do you guys make big decisions sure how do you hear from the Lord when you're wrestling with a big decision in general what's your approach to that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, a fun topic to talk about. So I think it's a multifaceted approach. One, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but one, we pray over it significantly, uh, individually, and we pray over it together. And oftentimes, you know, in your instance, talking about homeschooling the kids, if it's a, if it's a big decision that affects the entire family, uh, in discernment, we bring the kids in to the decision also. Now, some things they don't, even if it affects them significantly, they're, they're not a part of the decision-making process. But we do believe in giving our kids a voice, a say, a perspective in the decision-making process. Um, I mean, as a matter of fact, we just bought this camper this week. And previously, I had looked at a different camper. It was a different style. And brother, I was in love with it. I'm like ready to hit go on it. Um, and it was a, a horse camper, like a horse trailer style toy hauler camper. So no slides, very compact, very minimalistic, hardly any space, any room. And I was over the moon. I was sold, you know, like, boom, this is the one we want. High quality aluminum, boom, boom, whatever. And Nancy was adamantly opposed to buying it because it wasn't enough space in her mind, et cetera. And she lovingly suggested that we have a little family meeting about it. And we did. We had a little family meeting. We talked about the pros and cons. That's another thing we do is we write out the pros and cons, a list. These are the positives. These are the negatives. And we kind of compare and contrast. And we had a little family meeting and we we went around the circle and asked everybody's opinion. What, what do you think about this camper? And what do you want to see in a camper that is for our family? What are What are your checklist items of things that are important to you about the characteristics and pretty much me and only me was the, I'm the only one out of the total six of us that wanted this other camper and everybody else's opinions on what they wanted to see out of a camper. It didn't check any of those boxes. It only checked my boxes of what I wanted out of a camper, <laughs> you know? And so I said, all right, cool. You know, I'll, I'll call the guy and tell him we're out. I don't, I don't want it and we'll keep shopping. Right. So we pray about it. We hold a family meeting and talk about it. We list the pros and cons about it. Another important thing that we do about big decisions is we seek counsel of others. And so we, you know, 
I might call up some of my friends who have, have knowledge about this thing or whatever, seek out wise counsel, talk to our parents. You know, Nancy and I are grown adults in our 40s, but we still might, you know, there's an appropriate time where we might call, you know, our parents and say, hey, wh- this is what we're thinking about. What's your, th- what are your thoughts on this? So seeking wise counsel is a great thing to do for big decisions. And then lastly, we kind of write out a worst case scenario or we think through a worst case scenario sometimes, you know, and and oftentimes if we're hung up on something, we go, well, what's the worst thing that could happen if we take path A? What's the worst thing can happen if we take path B? And frankly, oftentimes, if you actually think through the worst case scenario, it helps you kind of take a little breath and be like, oh, (laughs) yeah, worst thing that can happen is, is... they hate homeschooling and, you know, we try it for six months and, you know, they go back to the schools that were in, they were in. Oh, it's, oh yeah, it's not really that big of a deal, you know? Um, so the, what, the worst thing that can happen often frees us up to take a breath and relax and, and not be so paralyzed by fear or paralyzed by the what ifs when you actually write it out or think it out of what's the, what's the worst thing that can happen. That's huge because oftentimes we build things up in our mind bigger than they really are. And if we're able to yeah. sort of step back from that and crystallize, I like that, the the worst case scenario, oftentimes it's not as bad as as maybe you've built it up to be when you get honest about that. A couple, yeah. a couple clarifying thoughts about that. One, I, I like the idea of bringing, bringing our kids into the big decisions, especially as they get older. I feel like it's easy to sit back as the parents and say, we have the final say. And, and ultimately we, we do, right? I mean, we're the, we're the parents, but you know, you, you don't want to project it as we're sitting up on high making these grand decisions that affect the family because you kids are part of the family as well, and you're going to be affected by it. But how do you handle it when a couple of them want one thing with respect to the camp or a couple want the others, and and ultimately you go one direction, and then now there's resentment amongst the kids that didn't maybe get what they wanted? Or is it a pure democracy? Hey, you know, four of us want this, two of us don't want this, so the two of us are out. Well, okay, how do the the two that are out handle that? How do you you handle – hurt feelings, uh, decisions that maybe go against what one of the kids wants so that ultimately there is buy-in because ideally you would want your kids, even if they ended up sort of drawing the short straw, to buy in, to still be excited about the camper, to be excited about homeschooling, whatever it is, if they didn't get what they wanted, if you decided to bring them in on some of the discussions and decision-making. Sure. I mean, that's definitely a fine line and it's, we don't treat it as a democracy. We don't go, okay, we're all going to vote and the biggest vote wins at all. We treat it as, you know, Nancy and I have the final say, and but because we're loving parents, we welcome your input. And so we kind of put that out there on the front side to say, hey, we, you know, we welcome your perspective. We welcome your input. We welcome your thoughts. We welcome your desires or whatever. But ultimately, the decision's up to us. And we stress and we remind the kids that Nancy and my goal is to do what's best for our family. That's right. I think that's hey, our whole objective, whether it's, you know, getting a fun camper to travel and, and see, you know, the country in or homeschool or who has what 
chore cleaning around the house for that day. You know, ultimately our goal is to do what's best for our family collectively. Also what's best for each child individually. Um, but we kind of remind them that, um, the collective what's best collectively is going to be what holds the heavier, uh, weight in a decision versus what one kid's desire might be to have happen, if that makes sense. And it's important then that you have established a track record of looking out for the best interest of your family yes. to where your kids have a sense of your heart, understanding that your intentions for the most part are for the general well-being of them, not selfish ambition. Because I do, without you know, listing specific names, I'm well aware of, of fathers that make very selfish decisions. You know, they spend the family's money for their own gratification, their own toys. They're always pursuing their own interests at the expense of the family. And if your kids see that that's your heart, well, then it's it's harder for them to believe perhaps that if you end up going a different direction than they had wanted, that it's for the best interest of the family. And so that's an important reminder for us as fathers to establish that. And that's, you know, thinking about our heavenly father, you know, that's, that that's a journey as well, you know, to to believe that our heavenly Father wants what's best for us, that He's for us, that He loves that's us, right. that even when we are being disciplined or corrected or not having the answer to prayer that we might want in the moment, to believe at a deep level that He ultimately knows what's best and has our best interest in mind, even if He, Father God, is making decisions that we might not love in the moment. And so that's a, yeah. that's a beautiful illustration of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my encouragement to you and me and a challenge to all of us, myself included. Let's take some time this week, you know, and prayerfully seek the Lord and ask for his revelation. Hey, are, what areas am I being selfish as a, as a father? In you know, in my for my you know, in my family situation, and I can share a story that reflects me having a kind of blink wake up aha moment. Uh, and that was you know, maybe six months ago. I realized we've been telling our kids, Yeah, we're going to build you tree houses, yeah, we're going to build you tree houses, yeah, we're going to build you tree houses, and we haven't done it yet. And you know, the, the cost of lumber has been crazy high with COVID and all those things, and we just hadn't built tree houses. And the kids asked me, Hey, when are we going to build tree houses? Are the, is the price of, is the price of lumber back down, dad? Can we build our tree houses? Can we afford it? And then I realized that unintentionally I have three motorcycles sitting, you know, in my, in my ownership around our house. So I got a Harley Davidson. I got a street legal Husqvarna dirt bike and I've got a BMW, you know, GSA 1200. And my kids are like, when are we going to build tree houses? Is the price of lumber back down enough to where we can afford it? And I just kind of had this like, oh, like heart wrenching, like, oh, no, I wasn't trying to have three motorcycles. I was trying to re replace one with another. And then I listed it for sale and it didn't sell, didn't sell. And so I kind of was in this weird stage of having three bikes, you know, but man, the Holy Spirit just convicted me. And I felt like, you know what, this is not who I want to be as a dad. And so I wound up selling all three of those motorcycles and I bought a couple of 
TW 200 little fat tire dirt bikes so that we can spend more time riding dirt bikes together as a family. Uh, and that's part of why we're going to take dirt bikes out on this trip this summer. So that's my long winded encouragement to dads is if you find yourself in a realization of, Oh no, I'm being a little too self-serving here, whether it be with the family's money or your own free time on the weekends or your own, you know, hob pursuit of your own hobbies, whatever it is. And I'm not saying those things are bad, right? We, as men, we need to have some hobbies. We need to have some pursuits. We need to have some things that are life giving for us. Absolutely. That's right. right. That's important. But my challenge is let's get that scale out and see, is it balanced or have I been too focused on my own interests, my own hobbies, my own toys, my own, whatever at the expense of providing those types of things for my family, my kids. So it's not too late. Just have a little assessment. That's my challenge to myself, to you, to all the listeners. Let's spend some time, you know, seeking the Lord and seeking his, the, the you know, the Holy Spirit's insight in our lives and do a little bit of a, a little bit of a look in the mirror. And maybe it, maybe it's hard, but uh, it's worth doing. Well, let's transition and talk about our summer plans. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about your your grand in intentions with this camper that you bought, this this rolling earthquake of a house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll talk a little bit about what you know what we're going to yeah. be doing as well, and then and then just talk big picture because I know, you know, frankly, we we talked about this a little bit on the episode going into Christmas, where sometimes we have high hopes for for the time with our family, for this vacation time. And yet there's also the the sort of the realization, maybe a little bit of lingering dread, like, oh my gosh, that it's going to be a lot of time with yeah. my kids home 24-7, nonstop. They're going to drive me crazy. Like, ah, so, so how do we, how do we handle that? And and yeah, so let's let's just go ahead and start. Like, do you guys have anything big planned? Do you do the same types of things every summer? What's on tap for the summer this this year for you guys? Sure. If you, is it okay with you if I ask you a quick question first yeah, before please. we dive into that? Because I'm really curious, and I'll give a quick answer even before I give you time to to answer your question. But do you have did you have summer traditions as a family? Like at, when you were a kid, was there like a tradition that you did? I'm just curious, you know, for me, we went to the beach for one week every summer, Emerald Isle, you know, and we would go to the beach and rent a house and pretty much for the most part, sit on the beach and play in the waves and just go chill. And sometimes it would be extended family. My, my mom's parents would come and, and we would all be together. And sometimes we wouldn't, but I'm curious, was there like a family tradition, vac summer vacation type thing for you growing up? It was. It was also the beach. We went every year, every summer to Ocean City, Maryland. My dad's partner, uh, law partner, had a house that he always let us rent for the week. And usually our cousins, sort of the closest, we were really close with them in proximity. And therefore also we were just close with them because we spent a lot of time with them. And so that family would always come to the beach as well. And so we'd have a week at Ocean City, Maryland, you know, cool. digging holes, playing in the sand, going yeah. to the waves and all that type of stuff. And that's a tradition that has continued. So it's no longer Ocean City, Maryland, but we go every summer still with my parents and my brothers 
to a beach, and uh, it's been it's been the same beach in North Carolina the past few summers. We're going to go to the same one again this summer. So that's that's locked on the calendar. Cool. Uh, every summer, as soon as the beach trip ends, it's like okay, let's what week do we want to go next year? Let's book it. It's locked in stone, and and those are absolutely fond childhood memories from my own childhood, and hopefully we're creating those same same memories for our kids. Yeah. So, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. And it's a balance. And that's maybe something we can discuss is that balancing act. When you think back on your own childhood, how much of what you remember about summer are the big trips or the a big experience or a particular summer camp versus just sort of the lazy, carefree summer days of being a kid with no homework and just freedom, right? Because to me, that's the balancing act is how much how much do we schedule for our kids and how much do we let them just sort of be kids. Right. Man, that's a that's a good challenge. I think for me, probably more so than just the lazy day freedoms, I I tend to remember and and be nostalgic about the trips and the the summer camps that I went to. I would typically go away to a camp, uh, you know, spend the night week-long traditional for kids summer camp where we did archery and swimming and, you know, whatever, all the things you do at summer camp. Um, and then we would also do that family beach trip. And, you know, my summers growing up and especially as I got a little bit older in the teenage years consisted of trips and that it was really fun. And I think back to those memories really well, uh, with, you know, a lot of fondness. So I don't know. Um, what does that mean moving forwards? I would say, you know, every family is probably different, you know, some I know some folks really pack their their summers full of trip after trip after trip, or some kids might go to the grandparents and stay for a month, or you know what I mean. There's all different types of things, and so um, I think each family is probably different. I, for us, we we hold a high value on extended travel, you know, and extended trips during the summer. And but not everybody has the capacity to be able to do that. We are, we're very blessed in that way. Our business slows down a lot in the summer. So we have, it's easier for us to be gone on an extended trip. Um, and that's what we're going to do this summer. It's not all ironed out yet, but we're Lord willing going to spend six weeks, maybe may, give or take at my in-laws place in Little River. It's at the coast. And then after that, we're going to drive out West and tow this, you know, rolling earthquake of a house on wheels <laughs> Um, probably out to Idaho, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and spend Lord willing two months out there. Crazy. Maybe three. I don't know. We're going to do it. We want to do a big trip. We, our business is really dialed right now with staff and systems and things in place to where Nancy and I don't necessarily have to be here every day. And, um, our kids are only getting, Older and older and older. I mean, my two oldest boys already, Brett, are like looking at me like, Dad, how am I gonna how am I gonna make money this summer if we're gone for the whole summer and I'm away from our family business in which they both work and earn they earn a living at as teenagers, you know. There and I'm like, I don't know, bud. You better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting to identify, a right? A shift of a shift of what's important to your kids yeah. already. You know, it's and yeah. at some point, you know, do they even want to go on the trip? Well, you're coming anyway because you're part of the family. But at some point, they're like, oh, I'd rather stay with my friends, or I'd rather, right? You know, this, that, or the other. So, th- yeah, you gotta gotta strike while the iron's hot. 
and we're getting the sense that it's hot this summer and it it might not be as hot next summer i mean maybe it will maybe it won't who knows yeah but yeah that's kind of what we're that's kind of what we're dealing with with our two oldest kids our younger ones man they they're just you know they're at the age they're not working they're not making money they don't you know they're not trying to have a vehicle and you know stuff like that but the older two boys are you know thinking about gas money and insurance and you know modifications to their trucks and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of a, a wild, a wild thing to, to have them that be the only kickback and a little bit missing their friends, but that be the main kickback is how are we going to make money, which is wild. Are you and Nancy both fly by the seat of your pants types or are, is she more of a planner? Because I mean, I'm hearing you say, literally, we're going to just kind of go out West and see what happens. It's funny you say that though. I, so at this baseball game that I alluded to this past weekend, uh, before the game started, I was listening to this this woman talking to one of her friends, and and she was talking about going out west last year, and she was like, "Yeah, but I but I I can't handle the heat. Like you go out west and it is hot, you know." So she's like, "I literally, I just." I looked at the weather forecast and I was looking for a five day extended forecast where the temperatures were reasonable, not in the mid nineties yeah. or a hundred or yeah. whatever, you know, I don't yeah. know, even know where they were going. I think they were going out to <laughs> Colorado or s- somewhere. And so she was like, literally, I just, I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden I turn on my app and it looked like the upcoming week was all going to be in like Ooh. the mid eighties. She's like, family, we are going. They're like, no, we're not ready. My husband was freaking out. Like, what do you mean? We're leaving. Yeah. She goes, no, we're leaving. Yeah. We're leaving tonight. And so yeah. she's like, <laughs> so she just packed the, I, was, I was just laughing internally as I was listening to her tell the awesome. story to her friend. I was like, that's an awesome way to live your life. Just kind of. We know we're going to do something, but we're totally going to play it by ear. And as soon as we're ready, it's like, let's go. But on the other hand, then, where do you stay? How Do you have any you know, tours lined up? What if you can't? Anyway, so, so there's a balancing act to both. But is Nancy more of a planner or does it drive her crazy to sort of have all this hanging out there? So Nancy, one of her passions is travel. It's one of mine too, but it's one of her big passions is travel and adventure. She doesn't like to go to the same place twice for the most part. She wants to go somewhere new. She loves the planning stage in terms of finding really cool off the beaten path, you know, not as touristy type of adventures to partake in. So she plans from that perspective thoroughly. She loves doing the research and finding these little hidden gems. She hates to plan and create a schedule a timeline, a date. Okay. Deadlines. No, 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 no. We're not, we don't want to make, she doesn't want any reservations. She doesn't want any have to follow this regimen and schedule. She wants to be able to have the freedom. And I do too, that when we're out there, if we find a place that in our minds we think is going to be awesome. And then in reality, once we get there, it's, it's horrible. Anza Borrega desert was a, was the story of (laughs) one of those experiences for us. We left Joshua Tree. This is many, many years ago before kids. We left Joshua Tree, which was this beautiful climbing Mecca. We were having so much fun there, but we had read a magazine. This tells you how long ago it was. We had read a magazine article about the Anza Barriga Desert being this beautiful oasis. And we were there in the dead of summer in a pop-up camper. And we drove to the Anza Barriga Desert. It was like 102 degrees in the shade. And we absolutely sweated and just were miserable for like 
two or three days, we did this hike that was in this magazine. It was like this oasis in the desert, like all these flowers and beautiful things. And it was not like that when we went there. It was horrible. The rivers, the creeks were dried up. There were, there was a dead animal rotting in one of the little stagnant pools of nasty, uh. no flowers. It was horrible. And all that was because we had read some review. And of course, the review was written in the perfect blooming season and it had rained or whatever. And you hadn't, anyway, that's and a, you hadn't yet learned to just let go of it. Like, okay, we're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah. you yeah. suffered for three days because yeah, you had we committed suffered through to it, it because we were like, oh, this place is awesome. We, you know, but all that is to say, we have found some really cool gems. Um, and a lot of times it's neat to go somewhere that you know is a cool area and then pick the local brain for knowledge. Hey, where's a cool off the beaten path? You know, we had planned a trip. So one of the things we want to do with our kids this summer is a Grand Canyon hike, hike to the bottom, sleep in tents down by, you know, down in the lower part of the Grand Canyon, spend a night or two down there and then hike back out a little three day trip. One of our adventures many years ago, this was on the same cross country trip. We had planned a backpacking trip down into the Grand Canyon with some friends that we met out there from California. and couple of the California friends were avid backpackers, avid hikers, but they invited one of their friends that was a newbie and um, didn't have any hiking experience nor backpacking experience. Well, to get a trip down to the Grand Canyon, you got to have permits. So we had booked these permits. We had planned all of our trip around this slot of we were going to go to the Grand Canyon, which we're trying to do this year also. And it's kind of like, oh no, we don't even want to, we don't even want to get our permits because we don't know when we're going to be right, in that, that area. Right, it locks us. Oh no, this locked in, like it takes away our freedom. It locks this. So we're, we, ah, we don't want to do it, but we know you have to, in order to get, if in order to do that, you have to plan ahead, you have to get your permits. So we had done this, you know, six months, seven months in advance or whatever. As I say this, I'm like, we might even be able to get permits now. Like we're so late. In the That's game. what I'm we thinking. Got permits. I'm like, Oh, what am I? We're not even going to be able to get permits anyway. Maybe not. We'll see. We had these permits. We had a group of about six of us adults, probably four of which reasonably experienced backcountry travelers, camping, et cetera. A couple of them, not so much. We get, we get about maybe a mile and a half in. It's an eight-mile hike, and I think it's 8,000 feet of elevation, maybe, if I'm remembering correctly, the Grand Canyon, top rim to river. And we're about a mile, maybe a mile and a half in, and we have this realization of uh, no no way if we get if we get this party of five or six people to the river to the bottom of the grand canyon if we miraculously make it down there there's no way that a couple of people are going to hike back out i mean it will literally be a couple of us hike out go to the ranger station call the helicopter have the helicopter come in helivac medevac them out like there's, we just knew there was no way and so we we said you know what we're not going to do this we're just going to turn around hike back out and camp on the rim in our camper, you know, for the weekend instead of do this hike. So we did, that's what we did because that was what the wise, prudent, safe, you know, reasonable risk thing to do. And afterwards, the, our crew went back to California, back to their jobs. Well, me and Nancy were on this big extended trip. So we went to the ranger station the, the, that, you know, that Monday and we said, look, this is what happened. We've been, we're from North Carolina. We've been dreaming about hiking down in the Grand Canyon for decades. We got our permits early. These people, you know, it wasn't wise to go in. So we turned around and came back out. 
the Rangers' eyes popped out of their heads. They're like, you guys turned around and didn't hike in? And we're like, well, yeah. They're like, nobody does that. People just headstrong. We've planned it. We're here. Yeah. We're going. And then, then we have medevacs. Two medevacs a day happen on average at the time. This was you know 16 or 17 years ago. On average, two a day happen in the Grand Canyon. They're like, nobody does that. And we're like, well, we do that because that's what's smart and wise. And we're experienced outdoor people, you know. And they said, look, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to book you another permit for tomorrow to another down and back up hike. And it's way better than the one you guys had booked. The one you guys had booked is the popular, everybody does it, you know, whatever. But this other trail, Hermit Creek is way, this is what the insiders do. Awesome. And so we got to go down to the Grand Canyon and we hiked and camped down in there and it was an amazing experience. So that's a long-winded story of sometimes when you make the plans, you got to be willing to change them on the fly and, you know, hopefully it turns out good, but. Well, I can't wait to hear the incredible adventures you guys have sort of flying by the seat of your pants a little bit this summer, although definitely looking to those permits because my guess is it might be a little yeah. bit too late for you guys. <laughs> I think we're going to be too late, Brett. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somebody will cancel, you know, maybe we'll be able to pick up a canceled, uh, a canceled permit or something, you know, at least worst case scenario, at least we could hope, you know, if we can't, if we're too late to get a permit, we could hope for that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a big summer. We're going to have a big adventure out West traveling around, taking dirt bikes, backpacking, hiking, slot canyons, big adventures for the Hughes tribe this cool. summer. We had, I'm, I'm, I'm listening with envy. And then thinking about the Ten Commandments that my four-year-old's learning about, realizing <laughs> I'm not supposed to en envy you, right? I can't live my life that way. Because we had just acknowledging as well, and, and my encouragement to the listener is that uh, there's a season for everything, and it's important to be wise to your season. We had we had talked about doing a, a bit of a trip this summer as well with our family, and then uh, we got pregnant, and you know, so now we have a, a newborn, and while you don't want to use a newborn as an excuse to not do things because we still we, we're living our life, we're taking her places, we push her on the stroller, I'll strap her to my chest to go on hikes and all that type of stuff. Just the idea of you know, between nursing and all that type of stuff, we just sort of decided being cooped up in a in a trailer or in a in our sure. vehicle with our family this summer might not have made the most sense. So we're not we're not going to do a big trip this summer, although it's certainly on our radar for for maybe next summer, but. Um, we have our kids in a couple of uh, their first overnight camp, so that's going to be fun for them. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, excited for them to experience that. And what's really cool about it from our perspe perspective, which sort of goes against what what I've already said about enjoying your kids, realizing that it's a short amount of time, et cetera, et cetera, is <laughs> I'm really excited because their, their summer camps hap just coincidentally happen to fall on the same week. So... And we're, so we're going to have both of them out of the house for an entire week, the two older ones. We're going to send the four-year-old with grandma for the week, and it's going to just be like me and my wife and our and our newborn for a week. So it's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? I, I'm kind of excited about that. That's really that. cool. Yeah, so that'll be cool. But then they'll be home with us. We have some other, other fun things planned just around, go hiking, go camping, all that type of stuff that we ordinarily do. They'll spend some time with their pops who, uh, who likes to take them fishing. So they'll spend a lot of time on the, on the lake shore with a fishing rod in hand this summer and all of that. That's so awesome. excited about that. My, my question for you and, and thinking of, that this is probably a question a lot of, a lot of fathers might have where if we don't have Lots of things planned, lots of travel. 
And there will be those sort of string of days where mm-hmm. the kids are just home. They're not in school. It's fun for the first week or two. Then by about the third week of the summer, it's like, oh my gosh, every day is the same. The kids are driving me crazy. They're yelling and screaming through the house. They're saying they're bored, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You you homeschool. Um, so you have some experience with this. What tips and advice would you have for those of us who are going to be home with our kids most yeah. days this summer yeah. and we're not used to it because we're used to sending our kids off to school. Right, right. <laughs> and they're going to be home nonstop with us all summer long. And maybe the answer is you still have to plan some some free time for yourselves. But what, you know, how do you handle that as home as a homeschool family or just in general, you know, when your kids are with you nonstop, twenty four seven, day after day for months? Yes, it's a, it's a lot. It's intense, and we have a family business, so we homeschool in the morning, and then we come to the family business in the afternoon. So we're real, we're literally around each other. All the time. And I'm sure you love your kids unconditionally the whole time. They are a joy. They never get on your nerves. They're just never, they're ever. just fun to be around. <laughs> like you just and enjoy every minute of it. They're respectful. And pleasant. They so, never get irritable. So you have it easy. But for the rest <laughs> of us, what advice would you have? So my advice, man, is multifaceted. One, um, you know, just take a breath. <laughs> When your kids are making you crazy, literally breathe, like take a step back, do about maybe two, three, four cycles of square breathing It take breathe in for anywhere from four to eight seconds as an inhale, hold your breath for about maybe four seconds, box breathing, hold it, and then exhale for about four seconds. And then hold that exhale for about four seconds and then inhale for about four. So just do some box breathing, baby. I'm telling you what, it goes a long <laughs> way. All right. Um, that helps a lot. I'm not kidding. Box breathing helps a lot. Your kids are going to make you crazy when you're around them 24 seven. And guess what, dads, you're going to make your kids crazy. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to push their buttons. You're going to drive them bananas. They're going to be sick of your junk too, you know? This is a normal part of life, you know, so don't feel like you are some horrible dad if your kids are just pissing you off and making you crazy and irritable. That's normal. You're around each other, you know, a lot more. So take that into account, expect for it and make a plan ahead of time. Box breathing when you're irritable. Um, Also, you know, make a plan for everybody to, you know, to be able to have some space. You know, if you're recognizing that your kids are just button heads, button heads, button heads with each other give them that intentional, you know, Hey, you know, Seth, why don't you go jump on the trampoline for a little while? And Ruby, why don't you go, uh, play with Legos, you know, whatever, whatever it is, recognize the fact that they're going to need that from each other, because not only are they, if they go to school in they're in their grade and their siblings are in their grades and, you know, everybody kind of gets some space from each other in your normal lifestyle. So you're gonna have to create that space. Um, in the summer months, you know, and recognize that that's a good and healthy thing. Um, and then another encouragement, and I've kind of learned this from uh, someone that I know a little bit and it, gosh, he'd be a really fun guy to get on the show. I'm going to reach out to him and see if we can, we can do a podcast with him soon, maybe in the next couple of weeks. He's a super busy guy, retired teacher, but 
he and his family would do a summer project. So his kids, they would pick a summer project every year. It might be build something. It might be learn. It might be learn a new trade. It might be learn a skill set. It might be whatever. Well, one summer they decided to learn blacksmithing. Hmm. So they took a blacksmithing class as a family, got a little forge, you know, started doing this. And now they've all become professional blacksmiths. Like that's what they do. They make knives uh, as, as their profession. They teach knife making classes. They do all this stuff. It's really cool. Um, and it just kind of evolved from a little fun summer project. So, you know, there's that idea that idle hands are the, the devil's work. And I think there is some truth to that. You know, kids are used to a regimen. They're used to a schedule. And yes, on the one hand, it's good to have some free time, relax. You know, I don't have this agenda that I have to do, but it's also important to maybe cultivate, you know, a summer project mindset, you know, Hey, let's, let's learn how to play the piano this summer. Let's, let's learn the basics of playing piano or let's do whatever, or, you know what I mean? Let's build a chicken coop. Hey, let's build a chicken coop and learn how to have chickens this summer. Hey, let's do a garden. I've never, we've never gardened before. Let's learn how to grow a garden together as a family. So if you can kind of create some type of family project that sounds fun to you and the kids, it's going to give y'all something productive to do together, you know, while you're around. And who knows? It might be a career change. Maybe you'll become a blacksmith and start <laughs> making knives for a living. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Hey, if you weren't going to travel the whole summer, you could build those, uh, those tree houses. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> so JP asked me the other day, dad, are we going to build a tree house when we get back? I'm like, yes, that's the agenda. When we get back, we're going to weekend projects are going to be build tree houses. <laughs> awesome. Well, I love that. Well, I, I've, I have two stories, uh, that actually sort of maybe go, well, one of them sort of goes maybe a little bit against what you just said. I think everything you sure. said spot on. I love that. Um, and I certainly don't advocate for idle hands, but we had an experience this past uh, this past week, or I guess it was last weekend as well, where uh, what one of our one of our boys Ben had a friend over, and and they had a good time. And this kid, this kid is used to playing video games. Uh, he's just you know Ben tells stories about this this particular friend who they're really good friends, but he gets. Pretty much unlimited screen time, plays lots of video games, just used to being indoors and all this type of stuff. And he came over to our house, and that's just not that's not the nature of how we sort of live our lives. And so it was like kick him outside. Now we live, we live in an area, we're not in a traditional subdivision. So we have a little bit of land and there are some trees around and some creeks and some things like that. And and they just played and explored. Yeah. Yeah. As kids should for like yes. two hours. They they went in the woods and came back with their treasures, which were basically yep. you know broken glass bottles. Thank God they didn't slice themselves open. But um, <laughs> you know, they, so they went. And they found treasures and they were romping through the creek and they were they were just traipsing through the woods and just and just being kids. And and after after he had left, Ben Ben was so excited. He was so pleased with the experience. Now Ben does a little bit of that himself, but sometimes you need somebody else to encourage you to do that, right? Because he could just as easily sit around if he were by himself and say, I'm bored. I have yes. nothing to do. But since he had his friend and they had to figure out what to do together, they did that. And he was like, you know, this particular friend said, 
ours is the best house of any of his friends' houses that he's ever been to, you know. And that's awesome. And I was like, and Ben was so proud of that. He was like, and all they did was have access to just being outside and, you know, do, you know our house isn't particularly great. Sure. They didn't even spend any right. time in the house. And so, right. Um, you know, I, I think the lesson there is just uh, there is a time and place for your kids just to be kids, to explore a little bit, and they will figure it out. That's really the second story is uh, a couple days ago, again, the two older boys were, oh, I don't want to go outside. I'm, I'm, I, you know, why can't I just stay in my room? It's hot outside complaining. And they were just driving us crazy in the house. So we're just like, you are going outside. And the, the four-year-old. So like, I, don't, I really don't care what you do, yeah. but you are leaving the house. Yeah. We are going yeah. to lock the door and you're just like yeah. outside. Outside. <laughs> so they grumbled and then they then they were in the garage and they were like, I was like, you're not staying in the garage either, but it's hot outside, blah, 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 winding. No, but you're not just sitting in the garage either. Go outside. Yeah. So begrudgingly, they moped their way outside. And within about five minutes, I look out and, you know, they're throwing the baseball and having a gay old yeah. time and Declan's digging in the dirt and filling his little tractor and all this type of stuff. So kids will figure it out. Sometimes you just have to put them in a position where they are forced to figure it out. And they ended up having a great time. Then it was like, hey, it's time to come in for dinner. No, can't we play a little bit longer? Yeah. We're pitching and I'm learning how to throw a curveball. And they're just like, and ordinarily they fight like cats and dogs, but they figured out how to coexist out there and play some baseball and, and whatever. So that's, you know, I'm not saying idealistically that it's going to be like that every day all summer long but but sometimes you just need to put yourselves your kids in a situation where they can just be kids kick them outside and let them figure it out yes. a little bit so yes i love that it's beautiful and i just bolt up to that 100% and i want to piggyback on that with one thing you know his friend saying your house is the greatest house of all the friends i've ever been to yep and i really want to hone in on that for a second because it is something that Nancy and I have with intention set out to try to cultivate a place, a house where our kids' friends want to come and spend time around. And, you know, you don't have to spend, you know, crazy amounts of money or do these crazy elaborate things. It's not like you got to, you know, spend 30 grand and have an you know, in-ground swimming pool installed. Now, I mean, if you have the means to do that, great, like go for it, you know, but it can just be simple things from having an abundance of good, enjoyable snacks for the friends that, you know, to have when they come over to your house. It can be something as simple as just be an engaged parent that, you know, is excited to see your kids' friends show up at your house, you know, be engaged, ask them questions, get stoked that they're at your house, you know, make them feel welcome, make them feel like this is a place that you want them to be because we want our kids and our kids' friends to feel excited about being at our house. We want our house to be viewed as the fun house, you know, that kids get to do fun things and they get to be kids and be on adventure and go out back and run around and play catch or or build tree forts or dig we've got a little creek that runs through the property and our kids and two of their friends were over and they literally spent the whole afternoon a couple of weeks ago digging in the sand building forts you know all all in the the bank of the creek the sandy bank of the creek so it is something that we have set out with intention to do 
and we want our house to be quote unquote, the greatest house of, of all the friends, you know, for people to show up. Is that something that y'all have pre thought out or you're doing with intention or it kind of just happened that way in this particular circumstance? It, it just kind of happened in this particular circumstance. It's something that's been in the back of my mind for sure, but we don't, we actually don't have a lot of their friends over all that often for various reasons. So it's something we're wanting to be a lot more intentional about. I do wonder, and this, you know, we're getting towards the end probably of when we should wrap up this episode. And sure. I have one final thought that I want to share, but uh, I'll raise the idea. I wonder if your house will continue to be the house that the kids want to come over to as they get older. And you're not the parents letting them have alcohol or or you right. know or do the things that that you don't condone. I, I just remember, you know, it, certainly in my teenage years and in high school years and stuff like that, the the popular houses to go to were the houses where the parents were either negligent, right, not there, yeah, or lax because now the kids can do things that they're not supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so oh, 100%. I just wonder how that trends, how you can continue to make your house, your environment, a desirable place for their kids to go if they're not able to do some of the things that 16, 17, 18 year old kids might want to be doing. Yeah, that's a good thought. And, and um, I'm excited to spend some time in contemplation about that and say, how can we make it a cool house and a fun house? And yet still at the same time, be active, appropriately engaged, you know, et cetera. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really, really good thought process. Um, you know, I think, you know, just simple things, you know, a ping pong table, a foosball table, you know, stuff like that. I think back to when I was a teenager, what, what were fun things and appropriate. Now, most of my teenage days were spent partying, you know, drinking drugs, et cetera. And I did want to go to the houses where the parents were completely negligent um, and or parents, you know, people's houses where the parents knew everybody was going to be drinking. I literally remember in high school, seven, maybe 17 years old, going over to a friend's house for a after party of one of the dances or something. And the mom being at the front door, getting everybody's keys. Yeah. Okay. It's going to happen. We're just going to try to make it safe. We're just going to get everybody's keys and y'all are just going to yeah. be here for the night. Go on down to the basement, do what you're going to do. And that's not you and Nancy. The, the mindset. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But I distinctly remember that going like, whoa, these parents are so cool. <laughs> right. They know we're all getting hammered and they just want our keys. So we don't drive drunk. This is the greatest. No, it's not the greatest, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a good thought. How can we how can we create a place where kids want to come and still at the same time have appropriate boundaries and expectations? I don't have that figured out yet. So, yeah. <laughs> and part of it also is who are your kids' friends? That's right. Because That's right. I I was I was not the kid who, even if I were in those environments, I wasn't down in the basement drinking, even if I found myself in an environment. That's fine. Maybe I'm the exception there. Probably am the exception. But if we can encourage our kids to surround themselves with – with kids who would rather that's right come hang out and play ping pong and go hiking and rock climb and and maybe again that's that's just naive 
to think that there are that many kids out there or that my kids are going to want those as their friends. But I think that's our job as fathers is to try to that's right. at least steer it that direction, steward it. First Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. So let's surround our kids and try to, inc- but then our kids like who they like, you know, they gravitate to friends that they gravitate to friends to. So I don't know. It's a hard thing. Like I said, I don't think we're going to be able to unpack this entirely here, but it's def- maybe, maybe we could do a different episode on that at some point, but definitely something to think about as our kids get older for sure. Absolutely. And by the way, Absolutely. if you guys, the listeners, have thoughts, or maybe you're you're going through this right now because your kids are different ages, let us know, please. Like we we welcome that. You know, absolutely. Uh, Faithful Fatherhood 2015 at gmail.com. Contact information in the show notes below. We'd love to hear from you if there are topics you want us to tackle on future episodes. Pass those along. But if you if you can help us, like help us figure out how to navigate that transition as our kids get older, you know. To where we can we can have our house be an inviting place for them to be. Please, we yeah, welcome absolutely. We welcome those thoughts. So, hundred percent. And I want to you know as we're kind of wrapping up, maybe transition to one other thought. And uh, you know because I do recognize how how blessed I am with our time off in the summers. I, I get it. Not everybody is a business owner that has a business that can function with them not present. You know, I mean, there were many many years where. I worked 80 hours a week, you know, in the summer, sometimes 90, um, because that was the nature of our business at that time. Uh, and, and I recognize a lot of people have regular jobs where, you know, you work for somebody else, you work for a, a company or whatever, and maybe you get two weeks of vacation a year and that's, that's what you've got, you know? So my encouragement is this, if you, if you're a listener and you're falling into that category, well, man, I got two weeks of vacation. I heard this. I don't remember where I heard it. I wish I could quote the source, but the idea is take however many vacation days you have from your, whether it's your own business, whether it's some, you know, a corporation that you work for, whatever, your time off, pack it all together and take it as a bundle. Because oftentimes if you, if it's just one week at the beach, I I don't know if you found this to be true or not, but I'd be curious to to get your perspective, it's like the last day, you know, the day before you're going home, you kind of finally start to unwind a little bit. You kind of finally start to get out of that fast paced, go, go, go work, work, work environment. And you can relax. And then it's like, Oh man, we're going home tomorrow. You know, I got to start packing everything up the next day. And so this particular author, I believe I read it in a book, but was highly encouraging whether you have one week of vacation, whether you have two weeks of vacation, whether you have six weeks of vacation, do everything you can to literally pack all your vacation days in a line as much as feasibly possible. And even if you're not, maybe you got, maybe you've worked up to six weeks of vacation. Maybe you haven't, you're not taking a six week trip out West, but maybe you've got, you know, a two week trip to the beach or a two week trip, you know, wherever. And then the rest of your time is a chunk block time off. And just the reality of how good that is for kind of almost a reset or, you know, um, what do you call it when like somebody in ministry takes a long time off? Uh, Sabbatical. Sabbatical. You know, it's kind of like that time to step back from the chaos of life, have a little bit of a sabbatical, quality time with your family, time with the Lord, almost kind of like this big reset. Um, and I think that's a great approach. I think it's awesome. I'm curious to hear your your thoughts about 
stack all your vacation days together. What do you think about that, Brett? Well, it's spot on. I, I was thinking about my own dad when you were giving that example about going to the beach. And I remember him saying that exact thing because I, even as a kid, maybe I was a, an early teen or whatever, and we had just kind of wrapped up our, our beach vacation. And I, I asked, I literally point blank asked him, did you, did you have fun? Yeah. Were you able to stop thinking about work? Because I knew he was a successful trial lawyer. He, he thought a lot about work, you know, but, but to his credit, he didn't bring his briefcase. He didn't, I knew he would make a few phone calls early in the week, but exactly what you described is exactly what he said. He goes, he goes, truthfully, it takes me about three or four days to even mentally stop thinking about the office. And then by about the last day, I'm finally relaxed. Yeah. And then Monday I go back to work. And that's always stuck with me because you're exactly spot on. That's exactly what happened. And so if he then had a second week, okay, maybe we can only be at the beach for a week financially or otherwise. That's all we reserved. But if you then come home from the beach and you stay in that mindset, now let's let me go hit you ground balls at the local park. Yes. Let me let's yes. let's go build a tree house. Let's continue this because I'm already now in relaxation mode. Yeah. Stringing that out to a week and a half, two weeks, that makes yeah. a ton of sense to me for sure. Yeah. Or even reverse it. Be at home, you know, and you got your couple days to get out of the work mindset. I don't know. Maybe it's harder because when you're at home, there's always household chores. There's yeah. always projects. There's, yeah. So maybe the beach does need to be the first week, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, you get crazy and figure out how to do, get real creative and figure out how to do two weeks at the beach. I don't know. Either way, it's turning off the cell phone a little bit, shutting yeah, down the that's computer, right. being fully that's present right. with your kids when you're with the kids. I'll uh, just kind of leave leave us on this final thought. I was talking with my brother-in-law a few days ago as well. He's at where we ripped out our deck and we're rebuilding a deck and he's helping us do it and stuff. And I was just asking him, hey, what do you guys, what do you guys have planned for the summer? He's got a couple of young kids and stuff. He goes, well, nothing major planned, but my intention going into it is to not allow my kids just to play video games all summer and to do things with them. I said, oh, yes. what, what, what kind of things? He goes, well, just I, anything, little things. We're going to, I'm just going to try to play catch with them a little bit more in the backyard. We're going to do some Nerf gun fights. And he just rattled off a few little things. And so they don't even have to be big things. They don't have some big elaborate family vacation plan for the summer, but his mindset going into it, I love. So kudos to you, uh, Curtis, if you're, if you're listening to this taking that mindset into the summer doesn't mean you're not going to have to do some work. Doesn't mean you don't, you, you don't still have your other responsibilities, but if your intention going in is to take advantage of the time to do more things with your kids yeah. that aren't just passively playing video games. Uh, I think that will go a long way towards creating memories that, uh, that they'll carry into their adulthood as well. So that, that was encouraging to me. I, fully embrace that and take that same mindset into our summer vacation, which isn't very far off, just a couple of weeks. So good luck to you guys uh, as fathers, all fathers out there. It's an exciting time. Honor it, cherish it, be grateful for every moment you spend with your kids this summer. It will pass soon enough. They'll be back in school soon enough and you only have so many of them. So um, yeah, we just, we want to be good stewards of that time. So with that, we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Hopefully you have enjoyed some of our stories and found some of our uh, insights helpful. 
we would love to hear from you, as I suggested, so reach out to us at the contact information below, and we will talk with you again soon on an upcoming episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. Okay.